are we gonna do E three this year? It's I all, think we should go. It's all we, yeah, let's go. <laughs> not, not, <laughs> holy shit, not us. Not See the you guys four at the con. Us. I meant like gamers. Are we gonna do E3 this year? Because if I don't go, if I don't see my big friends up on stage, Peggle 2 guy, mm-hmm. fucking Mr. Caffeine, like, is it even games anymore? No, I don't think it is. I I think E3 is the, probably the organization that benefits the most from COVID-19 because oh, wow. everyone was like writing on oh, the wow. wall. This little, well, hear me out. This is my theory. Writing on the wall. This thing's over Johnny. It's just a big empty floor with an inflatable Sonic hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> and then COVID-19 hits and they're like, sorry guys, we got to go all digital. And then the next year they're like, yeah, we're digital. It's just for safety's sake. And they can just keep doing that and just be like, oh, I don't know, like E3 a- never died. We just It's just always a digital event as far as we remember. It's never been a big empty <laughs> I- room with Sonic hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, no. it. Uh, <laughs> I think it might be toast. This might be nah, it. Nah, nah, it's back, baby. You watch by 2022, I'll be sitting on John Vignocchi's shoulders <laughs> roaming around the show floor. <laughs> It's gonna happen, baby. And look who's back. Reggie's back. Reggie. Oh, yeah. Reggie's back. He's running <laughs> Xbox and PlayStation. He's back. Fuck E3 yeah. 2022. Yeah, I think E3 2022 is gonna be the year. It's gonna That's be gonna be the mm-hmm. year. It's all coming back. Better than ever. Kentra Hall, it's open. Whoa. It's back. Yeah. Any other predictions? <laughs> I love that it's an E3. 2021 is going to be a digital event, which is basically <laughs> E3's way of announcing we emailed a bunch of JPEGs of watermarks to send to a bunch of people. <laughs> uh, can we start a side podcast that's just dunking on E3? Because I feel like <laughs> that. I feel yeah, like they deserve it. They've that. been uh, they've been riding high on the hawk for too long. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Thomas Plant, and I know the best nightmare of the week. My name is Russ Farshig, and I know the best game of the week. <laughs> Was that a race car driving by? Maybe. Uh, it was a Russ car. <laughs> for joining us for the besties, where we discuss the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment it's a video game club (laughs) (laughs) uh, we're gonna be discussing video games here uh today uh we've got uh, a new one sneaking out the door it's little nightmares 2 plant what's little nightmares 2 little nightmares 2 is a sequel to little nightmares 1 and i'll tell you even more it's kind of it's a horror platformer puzzler in which you embody a tiny little doll child who tries to escape a world full of big monster people. Mm. That's great, Russ. Russ, uh, just in case you at home are not looking at our rundown, our show rundown, as Plant was saying that we were talking about Little Nightmares 2, Russ updated the part in the rundown where it said Plant (laughs) talks about early access games from last week. So as Plant was doing it, 
Mm-hmm. Russ was updating it to say what Plant was in that exact moment doing. Right. It's for posterity. <laughs> I want to make sure everyone remembers. You will delete this next week when you write whatever it is that we're talking about next week. So it's no, no, like one week of posterity. If he remembers, we will. Okay, so Little Nightmares. We'll talk about it uh, after a non-existent commercial break. And we're back. Yeah, baby. To talk about Little Nightmares 2. <laughs> did any of you all, let me start with this. Did any of you all play Little Nightmares 1? I did yeah. not. Okay. Uh, I wanted to play it. Does that count? That was, you counts know, for nothing. You ever have one of those games where you see the entire like marketing cycle and you're like, yeah, like a, a kind of a Grimm's fairy tale platform looking game, kind of like inside. Hmm. I'm really, or Limbo, I'm really into this. And then you don't remember the game coming out. And then like years <laughs> pass and then it's like, hey, the sequel's coming out and you're like, oh. Oh, shit. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, on board. I had the opposite experience where I saw the marketing materials for for, for Little Nightmares and the, saw the game once it had come out and thought, oh, that doesn't look good. That doesn't look good to me. That doesn't look like my jam. Uh, but uh, scrambled egg all over my face because I really enjoyed Little Nightmares too. I, I done I done finished this 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 one. Uh, yeah, I had a good time I, I think- with it. I think the immediate reaction, I didn't play the first one either, but I think the immediate reaction is that the art style is not my personal preference and that like didn't make me super jazzed. We also know based on history that I get very scared very easily. Tell us a little about the art style really quick. Well, can we talk, uh, can I talk about the game first and then we'll back into it in case you don't. So it's like, because I had no familiarity with this franchise. I could have been getting into anything when I got past that title screen. It's a 3D platformer, I guess you would call it still. Yeah. Uh, similar in the vein to Limbo or Inside, where you are basically solving. Uh, you could a lot of uh, some are physics based. I I, I guess in they're a all sense. they're mostly physics based. Physics based yeah. puzzles and navigating this world and sort of the big hook. I would I would say, aside from like the sort of dark, twisted. Uh, art style which Russell will get into the thing that's kind of interesting about it is you are too small for this world you're like a borrower or a Lilliputian or whatever you're tiny in a world full of big scary stuff you're not like Thumbelina though you're like no. if you're t- talking about like a six foot person you're about one foot tall yeah you're small and it uh, it does a lot of really cool things with that dichotomy and that perspective the stuff that's scary in this game is much bigger than you and it is immediately scary uh that is the basic from a gameplay idea that's what you're going to be doing right Mm -hmm. you're going to be pulling crates so you could jump on the crate to get to the next thing you're going to be i don't know jumping on a swinging on a rope or knocking a piano off a hook whatever physics stuff and you have a little friend that comes with you and helps you helps you out helps you make long jumps and carry stuff around and and uh not not the worst What's what's the word for when you have to protect someone in a video game? Oh, oh, escort. Uh, not escort the worst. Esca- it's yeah. it's the whole game that that uh, NPC assistant, not assistant. You're you're surviving this huge scary world together uh, is with you the whole game, and it's not terrible, but it's also I would say not the best sort of version of this that I've ever seen. I think I think the the character that's with you through the whole game is actually pretty smart because. You're not escorting it. It's escorting you. So by that, I mean, when you struggle with a puzzle, if you struggle long enough, it'll walk over and be like, hey, uh, looks like this box can move. Yeah. Um, Hey, maybe you want to lift me up over here. 
uh, which which I thought was like pretty clever. Before we get into the, the stuff that's great, because I think there's a lot that's really special about this game. But just right off the top, I want to talk about the one thing I don't like about this entire genre, which is puzzle games and horror games that are combined. Um, man, I, I don't know like why we've been stuck with this formula for the past two decades, but it's not an ideal match. And that... I mean, most horror games have puzzle elements, especially if they are not about combat. And the the problem with it, and it happens quite a bit in this game, is you get really into the horror and it's really scary. And then you come across a puzzle where you have to move two blocks and you can't figure out which the block you need to move is in the environment. And you bat your head against it for 15 minutes and you get completely pulled out of attention. Uh, or, or worse, there's a puzzle where it's like an instant death and what was scary becomes like, okay, and now I'm going to get crushed for the eighth time trying to solve this. And th- th- this game does a lot to kind of avoid that at times, but I found that frustrating. And the other issue unique to this game is even the combat is kind of tied to this. So there are a number of moments that are somewhat like combat sequences, but really they're just choreography. It's like, hey, you need to run to this next spot, hide, let the thing happen, run to the next spot, hide, let the thing happen. And it felt like anytime there was a, what should have been a really cool combat sequence, there's one with porcelain dolls. I felt like, oh, I'm not actually in combat here. I am trying to like almost learn the rhythm game that it wants the, me to perform. The combat, quote unquote, combat sequences are the worst part of the game. Um, and it's such a weird thing to like lay at, at this game's feet. The thing that kind of made this game click for me was not the comparison to Limbo or Inside or any of those. Uh, once I started thinking of it like an Eric Chahi game, like a uh, Heart of Darkness or uh, Out of This World, that's kind of what made it click for me because it is a lot of rote memorization of uh, patterns and very, very sort of... Uh, twitchy actions that you need to complete in sequence in order to survive these different kind of like set piece at like at events. Um, I, I feel like it's being maybe overly critical to pick out the few of those set pieces that do not work. But like when that's all the game is, is like a series of pretty cool set pieces. When one of them, one of those combat sequences took me 20 tries to complete and it didn't and when i finished it it didn't feel like ah i finally learned how to complete that it felt like ah i got lucky and that that finally happened um so the the uh, plant mentioned this porcelain doll sequence i'll be more specific you were you kind of dragging a hammer around bashing these porcelain dolls in the face as they jump at you um and and this kind of applies to the rest of the game i actually i enjoyed the game uh a bit um but i would say (laughs) that the level of polish for this game is not there. And in this specific circumstance, dolls were flying at me and some dolls, and I do not know why or how, were able to reflect the hammer blow as I smashed them on the head, which is not intended. That is a total bug and it shouldn't be happening. But if you're seeing it in game, it's telling you, I'm like, I was honestly thinking, well, that's not the solution. These dolls yeah. are special. Like they could reflect Maybe you need to and amp up your to... strength stats. Right. To Whatever to... it was. Yeah. Um, yeah and I the, actually and... had a lot of problems with similar to that moment. Um, I struggled with this game. Anytime 
they started uh, bringing the Y axis into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like if you, so you can imagine this, right? If, if you've got a doll coming at you and you're swinging a pipe at it and it uh, is on a 2D plane, you will tell exactly the arc of that and if it would connect. And once they bring in a, the, 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 another axis, a third axis, I guess. Yeah. Z even. Z axis. Thank you. Once they bring in the Z axis, you it's much harder to tell in three-dimensional space if you're going to connect with that and i had problems with that in like jumps and stuff like that where it's like i'm kind of or walking a path like sometimes you'd be walking a path and it would kind of hove into that z axis and it became much harder to tell yeah uh, what was what would and wouldn't uh fly that was the big difference from a game like limbo or inside from between this and those games um, is just this level of like, like you can tell inside and limbo, which are two incredible games. I couldn't recommend them more highly, but they are polished and tested within an inch of their lives. Every single puzzle works as you think it will. Once you figure out the puzzle, so long as you execute it properly, whereas this, you just do not have that level of consistency. There are like boss encounters in this game where, I like fully broke a few boss encounters where I was doing stuff where I was running away from like a chef and shouldn't have been. I should be doing another thing, but nearly almost beat it the other way, but didn't because the game wasn't working properly. It just, it does not have that level of polish. But I would say environmentally, and, and we haven't really talked about the visual art style at all, but environmentally, like I was pulled in by this universe. I think it looks really cool and interesting in the way that like, what springs to mind is like Coraline, Paranorman, like that oh, yeah. Yeah. style. It, looks, it feels like stop motion. It's not, There's but a, it yeah. has that sort of aesthetic. It goes, it goes, uh, Tarzier Studios, who's the developer of this game, but was also the creator of the, the first Little Nightmares, but they also worked on the Little Big Planet franchise for a long time. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, so they made, I, they, God, I forget like what the distribution of, they did DLC for Little Big Planet 1 and 2, but then they fully made uh, Little Big Planet Three and Little Big Planet PS Vita, which was fantastic. They also made the PS4 port for Tearaway, um, and so I feel like there's a little bit of that DNA in here. But there's uh, a, and I guess some of that Little Big Planet DNA also owes uh, a, a debt to like Bunraku puppetry, and I think that the yeah. horror aesthetic, which from what I saw of, of Little Nightmares and sort of the the enemies there, they went way harder in that respect there like there was an actual sort of geisha boss enemy that you had to face off against um and 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 in this game that is definitely there with the creature designs but it's also going in a more otherworldly sci-fi almost twin peaksy vibe with the stuff it gets into yeah I would say it, it, it's very um, German expressionism, like Fritz Lang, the stuff that like yeah. inspired Tim Burton. There's there's a point. So a lot of the first game, from what I understand, is like more rural village settings. Well, I and think it's a ship. It's game, a, the first game is in a big a big a uh, yeah. like freighter uh, or something. So the beginning of this game is is a is a village rural setting, and then you have the for that first stage, and then you get on a uh, wooden door and. Go across the ocean, some big body of water, and you come across a city, and it is intensely like German Expressionism. It is these giant buildings at odd angles, and they're collapsing. And then you go into it, and it has like very Soviet Eastern Bloc vibes. Um, and that for me is like when the game like started to click. The first, 
the very first set of stuff just felt, I, I don't know, like a cross between a tutorial and, like I said, a choreography that you had to perform. And after that, it started to become a lot more puzzles. And I think um, it found its footing with its kind of vibe a lot more. It had, I don't know a better way of saying this, but the type of horror that I love the best in video games is experiential, like PT, where it's, you know, about just kind of wander the space, discover things, um, don't get so caught up in these puzzles. And I think that the game starts to have a few more moments like that, where it just puts you in large spaces and lets you walk around without so much pressure to keep moving forward. I would say also it it's very generous in the amount of art. Uh, this is going to say, it's a weird way of phrasing it, but it's very generous in the amount of world it's giving you that doesn't necessarily tie to gameplay. There's a lot of times where I'd be walking through an environment and it's so uh, intently made and it's mm-hmm. so like deliberate that you think like, man, this is going to be some big action set piece. Like, no, it's, it's just a landscape for you to walk through and like get the vibe of what you're mm-hmm. going to be doing. Like it doesn't turn everything into a game mechanic, which is cool because I think it lends a credibility to the world. And when you do get to those like otherworldly elements, and I, I'll, I'll tell you about one just to give you an idea of kind of what we're talking about because it, it borders on surrealism from time to time. There's one uh, very brief segment where you're in, you enter a classroom. There's a giant teacher writing at a school board um, and sh- the the large people, the the, the full size people in this, have a kind of paper mache like you've ever s- seen, like gigantes in like parades, yeah, in, in yeah. other countries where it's like that that look of like the huge paper mache head. So you're you're walking through the class. You sneak. You're the students are looking forward to the teacher. You're sneaking behind them, um, and occasionally the teacher will like turn around and look for you, and you kind of like scuttle behind a desk and. Not only does she look for you, if she hears you, her neck begins to extend and like- to Worst the, worst, uh, worst neck in video games. I will yeah, get that. Yeah, horrific <laughs> to, fi- to try to find you. Uh, and oh, by the way, if she sees you, not only does she scream and, and find you, um, the kids will all then turn on you and try to kill you. And what's kind of interesting about some of those like stealthier bits- is that they are not the insta-fail that they seem on the outside. There are several instances, and this makes it scarier. Like, you can't just put the controller down and be like, ah, fuck, she saw me. There are, like, you can usually, like, find a way to get away, which makes it, like, much more frightening uh, to to have an escape route somewhere for you to to be able to get through. And 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 there's tons of stuff, I mean, tons of, of... segments like that that are just and really making great use of they do a great thing with the art and i was just complaining about the z-axis but i'm going to compliment it here they do a great bit with the art where the things that are deeper in the um background are uh really blurred i mean mm-hmm. to and and re- you're really in high it's focus like a depth there. of field yeah okay. exactly and that really heightened the, that it makes it feel real in like a weird way like especially when the the things are much bigger than you it feels like a real person uh hunting you and you are a tiny person and they make great use of that all all throughout yeah yeah um I, I, I finished the game i don't know how far you all uh got into it uh, i played about seven minutes <laughs> no, I played much more than uh, no, I I got to the last area, but haven't quite finished it yet. It it is. Uh, I, I mentioned the sort of Eric Chahi comparison and how it it breaks down into like a series of of 
set pieces, which is something I think you could also say about Limbo and and Inside and this. I don't know what the name for this like type of game is like if it even has a, a, a name for this genre um but i thought it was I think like platformer adventure like adventure platformer yeah like something it, like is, that just fairly descriptive um i i thought it was a really good one of those i think that there's a lot of pitfalls that that genre can fall into that little nightmares 2 evaded um while i had some trouble with the combat parts of the game i knew what i was supposed to be doing even if the like controls and feel of the game weren't precise enough to necessarily like allow me to do that but never in like my whole playthrough was i like stuck stuck um and mm. i i think russ you were saying you there was like a puzzle that like a dumpster puzzle that was a bit tricky i i never felt like the game wasn't giving me enough information to progress if that if yeah, that, makes that sense. dumpster puzzle i should just mention is just like a very long jump that really doesn't look like you can make it and if you don't do the angle exactly right you just miss it yeah. to the point where you feel like you're not seeing something and that was the biggest issue i had is just the signposting in the game isn't always great there's plant mentioned the like ai helper but there are moments where the ai helper does not push the box that you can definitely push and so I was just stumbling around a single room, yeah. trying everything, but knowing, oh, I can push this box. Uh, the most damning thing I can say about it, and I really liked it, and I love games like this, where like every time you enter a new space, you really do feel like you're going to have to use your your mind to come up with an original solution that you haven't seen before. It really does that really well. the The most damning thing I can say about it, and and I and I hope it wouldn't put you off from playing it, but it is why I think I will not stick with it. Is if the puzzle is going to be in the platforming rather than a binary, like a key into hole, right? Sure. If the puzzle is going to be, how do I solve this with, with platforming? It's gotta be so tight that you don't get mixed signals about what is and isn't a solution. This is the example. At one point I was getting chased by a hand and I was run, you know, I was running around and the, this hand was chasing me and I was like narrowly escaping it. Right. And then I clamber up onto a, this, uh, rack of bookshelves and I, I, or something drawers or something. And then I climb through this vent. And then when I climb through the vent, the hand scampers up behind me. And while I'm going through the vent, it jumps at me and kills me while I'm climbing through the vent. And it's like, well, I guess that's not it. Cause I have to, I have to do something to contain this hand. Right. Sure did it over and over and over and over and over again, eventually frustrated enough. I just did the thing I did in the first place, but instead somehow he missed his jump when he leapt at me. And then I went ahead and got through (laughs) and it was fine. And it's like, I, that's such a breach of trust. You know what I mean? Like I, you can't expect me to bang my head against something. If there definitely is a solution, if maybe the solution is just like, I don't know, he got hung up on a corner this time and it didn't work out. Yeah, it's just kind of weird that all the enemies have an AI associated with them because there should be a binary answer to a lot of these things. And because, like, the fact he should never miss the jump, like, realistically yeah. speaking, like, or he should always miss the jump. That's the only acceptable scenario in this type of game. Yeah. But I agree with Justin. Like, I, I think I enjoyed it overall. It's, I think it's easy to. Well, worth seeing. It's, you gotta it, it see it. It is worth experiencing. Just, if- it, you, um, this would be a perfect like this is maybe damning with faint praise be a perfect like game pass or something like that where it's like yeah 
just go see it and get a get a sense of the vibe because it's it's so cool. Yeah, it's pretty um, short. It's like five hours, I want to say in total. Maybe right, Griffin? Is that right? Um, or six, maybe. Yeah, I mean, not counting the sort of. It depends on many, how many times the hand misses. Yeah, fucking jumps. <laughs> it depends on. Uh, yeah, the, those hands represented the worst combat encounter for me. Uh, I, I yep. think that I think it's worth playing through all the way. Like, I think it does some really. Yeah. I, I, it, it the first game and the beginning of this game deal in that sort of uh just gross horror of just body you know puppet body parts and gore and uh horrible horrible necks and shit like that uh but it it dabbles in a different kind of horror towards the end of it uh, in a way that was pretty cool and also i think open to interpretation in a way that once i finished the game i immediately wanted to check with you guys to see if you guys had finished it because i wanted to kind of talk about it like i I, and that's i don't know i think that's about as high praise as i can give a game okay well hey that's the video game uh it's called little nightmares it's out the i guess it's out by now february 11th is when it was supposed to come out right yeah it'll be out when this episode goes live yes yep uh, there's a PS4 version, I think, that upscales to PS5, and uh, I played it on. Um, it's on Switch. It's on Xbox. It's on PS4. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's on PC. Play it. Check it out. Check it totally out. Uh, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back to talk about other things. You go get a phone. You just want a phone. Talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts. And you get ripped off because you got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or you want to have a nice, easy solution, save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month. Say bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month. Go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, rocket money they make it so easy to get your personal finances on track especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need keep the ones you want get rid of the rest here's how it works rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending and helps lower your bills they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest that might sound too good to be true i have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments i have and it's worked which is 
incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now... You can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, huge thank you to everybody for uh, sending in your reviews. I don't think we're going to be singing this week, but we'll have singing again soon. Uh, but please keep those coming uh, on your in your podcasting platform of choice. It really does help other people discover the show, and it, it keeps us alive. Because without this show, we'll die. Y'all, we've got a lot of reader mail this week. I'm going to start it right from the top. This is from one Mister Patrick Frisbee. Is Luigi's Mansion a horror game? Maybe for babies. Next question. Boom! Wow. It's not scary at all. <laughs> For babies and children, it is it's, it'd be scary. For Luigi, well, and for Luigi, everything in it looks like it's made of marshmallows. Next question. Yeah, I could kick one of these ghost asses. <laughs> Any one of those ghost asses, even the big boo. I could fuck. I could fucking destroy him. It's not scary. You can't. You can't. Also, would be scary for hoarders. Oh, if you're a hoarder, all, seeing all oh, that stuff get sucked into a vacuum. Would Tired. Be very a upset. long walk to get there. Long walk to get there. <laughs> Poor guy. Wow. I thought it was not you're scary. picking on me. What? No go. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Fuck you, Chris. Fuck you for being friends with Russ, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. I think it's it's not scary. Like, I, I feel like in order for a game to be scary, you got to be afraid that you're going to lose progress or time or something. I guess it did have a pretty draconian Stop safe system. Stop dignifying this. <laughs> the you're answer right. is No. Thank you, Mr. Frisbee. Uh, next question. This one's from uh, Emily Eisenberg. Tips on how to play horror games when you are too scared to play them, please. I'll answer the question. I... Yeah, go for it. Don't. 
All right. Life's too short. You have a finite number of minutes on this planet. You don't like horror games? Go play Katamari Damacy. Next question. Let me tell you what I did for <laughs> Little Nightmares 2. Because when I started playing it, the long neck especially, I was like, fuck this. But it was only scary when I was trying to sneak around and not get caught by long neck teacher lady. So what I did, and I do this literally anytime I play a horror game where I feel like this is a little, it's a little too late at night. I'm alone. It's scary. It sucks. I don't want to be scared. I'll just run right at long neck teacher lady. Let her gobble me right out. <laughs> you got to see kill the me. bad thing me. that's going to happen. Kill me fucking dead. Yeah, let me see the bad thing that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden I've robbed it of its power. Now it's like, well, now if I die, I'm just losing a little bit of time. Uh, and I'm not going to, it well, can't. It has no power over me anymore. The zombies in Resident Evil run right at them. Let them gobble. It's fucking it's from the jump. It's like, here's a quick time event. Grab your pistol and blow that zombie away. Don't. <laughs> let it fucking kill you. That's, that's actually pretty good advice. <laughs> that's a good tip. Okay. Uh Plant's having some tef- technical difficulties, so we are going to carry on Inspiring. without him. We're praying, we him we're very praying much. for him. He's had an inspi- He's like Warhorse. He's an inspiring figure of, of, of video games podcasting. A uh, true friend. Thomas asks, what's the best slash scariest horror moment from an otherwise non-horror genre game? For example, Ravenholm in eight Half-Life 2. That's funny because I actually think Half-Life and Half-Life 2 are horror games to some extent i mean they're pretty, pretty scary. scary if they were a movie it would be a like a sci-fi horror yeah. movie i feel like um anything that's like has crabs that are the size of cats that jump on your face i think we can count as a horror game um i'm going to say in sekiro uh when you first make it to the uh, the like castle area and you're climbing up the rooftops and you find the open window that you're about to hop into and then a screaming assassin on a kite swoops down from the sky. And you don't, you didn't even, you maybe saw him when you first walked in, but you didn't know that this was a gentleman who was going to swoop down and attack you. And he just comes in at you like, <laughs> fucking flare and just destroys you. I feel like the, whatever my answer to this is, I feel like that's probably the most a game, uh, a Souls game has scared me. But something from From Software is definitely the answer because that's the game where it's like, I cannot die right yeah. now. I cannot, you if can't I die run right now, zombie. I lose fucking everything. <laughs> Ignore Griffin's yeah. advice. You'll lose all your dang souls. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that, that doubles as the scariest slash fucking funniest moment in in a, a, a FromSoft <laughs> game uh i will i will frequently watch like see people react to the screaming kite assassin from sekiro because it, it is it is hysterical when you're not the one being you know scared shitless by it um let's move on let's talk about other games we've been playing would that be okay could we could do that could we seamlessly uh talk about that um because sure. yeah. i have because it's because it's a horror thing that i want to talk about uh, and okay. I don't oh. think anybody else played it because everybody said they were too, this was their words, chicken shit. Uh, wow. But before that, that's a teaser. First, I want to say, did I give my strongest possible recommendation that everyone should play There Is No Game Wrong Dimension? I think so. Okay. Yes. Because I kept uh, playing I, it as a matter and fact, it gets got replies. so much better. Everyone should play this fucking thing. It would I would have been fighting tooth and nail to get it in Game of the Year consideration last year. It is... It is just accidentally unfolded into an alternate dimension uh, LucasArts Sherlock Holmes game. It's 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 really rad. Absolutely phenomenal. Everybody should play it. 
Yeah, we got we got a few replies of people saying how much they. Yeah, adored Russ, how do you, how do you feel um, so about it? I have not played oh. it. Huh. It's so your, when I said I give it I was my not strongest possible recommendation, and you said yes, I did, then that's yeah, not enough I mean, to you, get you to try something. You said that about Sherlock Holmes in the case of the missing. Didn't say blah, strongest blah, blah, possible so. recommendation. That was a that was a, a well, anyway. Um, the the thing that I want uh, to hip everybody to, if you're not on this uh, yet, it's called At Dead of Night, which is a bad title that is very easy to forget, and I have to Google it every time that I want to talk about it, which is uh, frequently right now. Um, I thank you to uh, Mark who suggested this game to me. It is a FMV CGI hybrid. Think like uh, Myst or games like that. It is not a completely FMV world. Um, what this game does so well uh, is, well, you you are in a hotel. You check into a hotel. You find out that the owner, when you first get there, the owner, this really sets the tone, uh, invites you to his comedy show that he does <clears throat> every night. And he's the entertainment. And he does sure. this like uh, character uh, who is like very body and kind of like will say all the kinds of offensive things. He's usually a big hit with the young people. Yeah, I would say like an, an independent comedy show alone is it's already, already like I'm, so I'm terrifying, right? And he's like, uh, the, but I do it. And, and he's like, do you want to come to this evening's entertainment? It happens at midnight. And the, the person checking in, your character is like, no, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> but then this, it turns out that this guy's character is sort of an alternate personality that he is living with. Uh, credits to them, by the way, for having a spot in the menu that you can click on about dissociative identity disorder, like about DID, like here's the reality of this. This is not what we're talking about. This is a real thing. Uh, etc uh, which i thought was pretty cool so you check into the hotel and the owner starts hunting you and your friends that have checked in this hotel with you and the uh he has killed many people here uh in this creepy hotel mm. and and you're not uh, killed not in the no no the i don't think it was not much like of that slain. going on um and uh uh he starts hunting you and there are these ghosts of people he's killed that you can communicate with via this like you know everybody's got a ghost communicator um so you find one of those and the the thrust of the game is that you're trying to find the ghost that he's killed and find like things that are connected to their stories and help them tie together their stories and um help them find peace basically but while you are doing this you are being hunted by the owner who is represented in fmv in this CGI world, which it taps into the thing about FMV that is so creepy, that is just fundamentally unnerving. Don't know why. It's just weird. But he will uh, peek around corners and you'll go around a corner and you'll see him just peek out and then <laughs> hide back away. He will, uh, you'll hear, you can peek out of a uh, keyhole in the door um, and you can see to see if he's there. And occasionally you'll see him like walk by. If if you think he clocks you, mm -hmm. you can run into a room and hide in a closet and you'll watch him like walk around and look for you. And, and he's a an real actor, actor like real around? performer yeah, okay. doing this. And it is Weird. terrifying. I mean, it is terrifying. Um, the ghosts are also Weird. real people. So you'll see like, and yeah. you're in a CGI environment, you'll just see a real person and it it's creepy. Like that's why people don't like FMV games is because it's creepy. <laughs> and this like really leans into it. Uh, the performances are a little bit hammy, but also like if he catches you when you're not expecting him to, terrifying. There are certain safe spaces you can go to like the stairs 
where he can't go. And you know there are places he can't go. So entering in one of the places he can go is like very, it's bad. And it feels bad. It's bad to do. Yeah. Um, it is a scary game. It is, again, because you've certainly forgotten, because I have At Dead of Night is the name of it. And it is very cool. Um, I've been playing a lot of Dicey Dungeons. Oh, Which yeah. is a 500-year-old game. But uh, I've been looking for something to play on the Switch while I wait for Stardew Valley 1.5 to come out. Um, we've talked about it a few times on the show. Yeah, I know Justin got into it. Great, I got man. into it. I, it's great. I don't have a whole lot to add, except uh, it, there's six playable classes that each really feel very different um, in a way that is kind of rad. Like you, the, the basic setup of you roll dice and then put them on skills to activate those skills with the, you know, the dice numbers that you've placed on them is it holds true. But then like, there's a class where you actually are, it's a deck builder. And then there's a class where uh, you are trying to fill up a gauge with your dice rolls. And then there's a class where you have a spell book that you have to activate with your dice rolls before you can, uh, the, the six classes feel really, really different. And then each of them have, I think six chapters, and each chapter has like a unique rule set. I I, I don't think I realized how um, I don't know. It feels it feels almost like a like a really rewarding puzzle game more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I, I'm I'm really into it. I've unlocked all the classes and I think beaten two chapters with each class. Uh, and I'm I'm really enjoying my time with that game. Yeah, it's wicked. Uh, it's which is a great platform. Yeah, for sure. it as well. So highly recommend it. Uh, I want to talk about real quick a game called Cyber Shadow, uh, which is a ninja game uh, inspired by the original Ninja Gaiden, side-scrolling NES-style graphics. This is that Yacht, um, Yacht Club, right? Yacht Club produced, uh, oh, published okay, it. Okay. They were not the developer. I'm blanking on the name of the developer. I'm sorry. Uh, but it is a very good game. Um, it basically uses... Yacht Club made... Um, remind me. Uh, Shovel Knight. Uh, Shovel Knight. Right. And it uses that same mentality, so it basically uses modern control schemes and stuff that makes it feel like a modern game in the visuals of, like, a retro game. Um, and it brings that to that format of, like, a side-scrolling ninja mm-hmm. game. What Mechanical uh, Head think, Studios is what... Mechanical Head Studios, thank you. So the um, first few levels are, like, ver- like one uh, levels one and two are, like, very straightforward. Hey, this basically just feels like an old-school... Um, Ninja Gaiden game. Once you get to level three, it really starts to introduce a lot more modern mechanics. Um, you get these upgrades. You can like upgrade checkpoints where they all uh, heal you or give you full energy whenever you die. Um, and you spend like currencies to upgrade each checkpoint, which is really neat. You also get these upgrades like um, the ninja gets like it, it's like a yo-yo with a blade on the end of it that like swings around you using like accurate physics. Um, that feels like something that I would never, that would have never been able to be done on an NES game. So kind of stick with it if you're if you're uh, just dipping in. Stick with it past the first two levels because it gets, does get more interesting. I actually um, bailed on it's it. It's available so I'm glad to hear that. on. I'll go back, go back and do that. Yeah, it's uh, it's available on Game Pass. Uh, so if you're a subscriber to Game Pass, you can get it for free, which is very cool. Um, but it's also on Switch and PC and PS4 and everything else. Uh, but I played it on Game Pass. I think it'd be really good on Switch for what it's worth. And uh, yeah, no, highly, highly recommend it if you like those uh, retro style games. Cool. Oh, real real quick, last one. Uh, if you ever played Quest for Glory on PC, it's an old PC series uh, in the same vein as King's Quest. Uh, if you're a fan of that, there's a spiritual successor called Hero U 
made by the same developers that just came to Switch. Um, it's been in, it was a Kickstarter thing. It's been in development for a billion years, but uh, it's on Switch this week. So check that out. Is that Hero, Hero Y-O-U? U as in universe. Letter U. Yeah. Uh, I played it oh, on like I played it on PC and never finished it because like a Quest for Glory game, I got stuck on a puzzle and the game wasn't mm-hmm. out yet. And so I didn't know how to beat the puzzle. Yeah, I, I they worked on it on a game ton. Facts. So I'd like to hop back in on Switch and see if it's a little smoother. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I love those. those old it's games. almost always the bucket. That you need to use. Do you remember when the buckets? The remember secret. when I made everybody on this podcast play uh, Trial by Fire, the Quest for Glory game, <laughs> and it, it, Russ and Chris hated it so much, and they never forgave me. God, I that was do, a long yeah. time ago. Sheesh, that was for that was a very long time ago. You know what else was a long time ago? <laughs> the beginning of this episode, which means that we've yeah. reached the end of it. Um, thank oh. you so much for joining us. Uh, next week, Russ, what are we talking about? We were talking about. Super Mario World. I have asked Wait, you to say I fucked it. it up. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, which is a game that I'm extremely excited Can't for because I never played 3D World on Wii U because it was a terrible platform, and now I finally it's get to. Fantastic. I mean, I I don't have the the new game, but that old one is rules. Let's. I think it's got online multiplayer. So let's 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 yeah. set that up because I feel like that's going to be the ideal way for us to talk about it. That'd be very fun. All right, guys. Uh, I love you. And I treasure you, and thank you for listening. And uh, be sure to join us again next week. Chris, Chris, prayers, Chris, prayers up, prayer, lift up Chris in prayer. Uh, please take care of our brother Chris. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Uh, and uh, be sure to join us again next week for the besties. Because should the world's best friends pick the world's best games? Steve.